welcome back, everybody, to the Blazer Victory Podcast. This is your co-host, John Duncan, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Steve Irvine. And, guys, it's game week. Our UAB Blazers travel down to Yeoman Stadium in New Orleans, Louisiana, to take on the Tulane Green Wave this Saturday night at 7 p.m. Central Time, and it will be televised on ESPN+. Plus. Um, but as always, you know, make sure to uh, give a listen on Jocks 94.5 FM as Steve Irvine, David Crane, and uh, Trey Raglan uh, get it started at 6 p.m. Central Time. But Steve, you getting excited, buddy? Oh, yeah, man. I, I think this is uh, really looking forward to this. I mean, I think it's um, for a lot of reasons. <laughs> Obviously, there's 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 plenty of reasons to be excited about this. But, um, you know, I think it's... Um, Two really evenly matched teams. Uh, you know, I think uh, it's just a matter of who plays best on Saturday, and I don't expect uh, – I certainly don't expect it to be uh, a blowout either way. I mean, I think it's going to be one of those games that goes down to the end, and it'll be fun fun to uh, fun to watch and fun to be part of. Definitely agree with you there. And, guys, we had the pleasure of having J.P. Gooderham on. Um, he, do, he, you know, does Fear the Wave, um, Fear the Wave blog, which is a uh, – a two-lane blog, you know, that covers uh, football, hoops, baseball, and a lot more. Um, he does a great job covering the two-lane green wave. Um, and we're actually going to roll that interview in just a couple minutes because it was just such a fantastic interview that we had with JP. And, um, you know, we talk, obviously, about the UAB two-lane matchup um, and also some realignment talk at the end that I think a lot of UAB uh, listeners um, will appreciate. I know Steve and I did <laughs> uh, as yeah. well. Um, but Steve, I agree with you, man. This is going to be a tight contest. I mean, Vegas thinks so as well, you know, with Tulane just being a very slight four point favorite. And, you know, they always say the home team normally gets about three points anyway. So it's basically kind of a pick them contest. You know, these two teams haven't played since 2017. And we all remember that very hot day at Legion Field. Um, I think it was like a noon kickoff and it felt like it was a hundred and something degrees. Um, but you know, UAB was able to get the win over, you know, uh, Tulane. Now, as you'll hear in a few minutes, this is a very different, um, at least on the offensive side of the ball, um, for a Tulane team. Um, and you know, we'll let JP talk a lot about that, um, in, in the interview that we're about to play, but Steve, just quick impressions on the Tulane green wave. Oh, I mean, I think the first thing you have to start with their quarterback. I mean, like Michael Pratt, you know, he's not only a really, really talented quarterback, he, he he just seems like the kind of guy that just, you know, is a heck of a leader. You know, I mean, I watched watching Oklahoma game and, and Ole Miss game mainly. I, you know, didn't really see anything, you know, mainly highlights against Morgan State. But um, he's a tough, tough guy, man. I mean, he's uh, he takes a lot of hits, gets right back up. He took some pretty wicked hits against Oklahoma. Uh, you know, a couple of them were kind of cheap shots and, he just he got up and, and kept coming and uh, you know so we'll uh, we'll we'll enjoy you know I don't know you enjoy playing against him but I, I I'm certainly going to enjoy watching him play because I've really been impressed by what I've seen and he's uh, you know he's 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 their leader so I'm you know I'm, I'm looking forward to that and I just I think they're a solid team and I think they're a team that you know they they come in one and two obviously. Um, and, but you know, with the two losses, Oklahoma and Ole Miss, you know, to, to really two, two of the better teams in the country, right. uh, you know, so I, I think a lot of times, you know, certainly that hurts you, uh, you know, hurts your, your record at this, at this point, but I think it makes you a better team to, to play, play against guys like that and, uh, teams like that. So, um, 
you know, I think it's a, a, a team that's already got, you know, a lot of good seasoning within those games. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun. I mean, UAB is going to have to, you know, uh, play their best and, uh, you know, maybe overcome a, a, f- a few bumps and bruises, you know, here and there and, um, you know, and, and do, do what they can. I don't know, you know and, and JP, you know, mentions it in the interview, but, you know, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, what the home field advantage is going to look like. Yeah. Uh, just because of, uh, you know, such the unique situation that's going on this down there. But, um, but I do think it's going to be a team that's inspired playing at home, you know, no matter what, no matter how many people are in the stands because of, because of everything that's happened. So it's, it's interesting, and, you know, and I think it's a UAB team that's going to be inspired by their circumstances, by their, you know, the, um, this, this is a game that, you know, with all this realignment uh, talk, you know, and, and all this, you know, a lot of the realignment talk is, is, is UAB to the, to the AAC and this is a, an AAC member. So I think, that, yes. you know, even though players, I don't think they get caught up in that because there's just so much of the preparation, uh, you know, just getting ready for the game. But I mean, I think there's some, you know, there's some inspiration there too. So it's, um, it's going to be a interesting, fun night. Definitely. I'm looking forward to it. And you know that Tulane team is excited to get back down there in Yeoman in New Orleans. You know, like you just mentioned, you know, we don't know what the crowd is going to be like, but, you know, they're just, you know, I'm sure they feel, you know, great to just be back at home, um, you know, after being in Birmingham for over a month. Um, But very quickly, too, you know, looking at this Tulane team, as Steve just mentioned, you know, they're one and two coming into this ballgame, but they played Oklahoma to the wire. And, I mean, they had a couple opportunities in that game to just say, you know, you know what, forget it. You know, I'm, I'm done with this. Uh, let's just move on to the next week. But they outscored Oklahoma 21-3 to in the second half and really scared Oklahoma at the end. You know, had a chance, you know, had the ball with um, under a minute left um, around the 40-yard line. And they, you know, had a chance to drive and possibly beat Oklahoma. Um, but they ended up losing 40-35. to But this is – a Willie Fritz team, you know, they're not going to quit. Um, Willie Fritz, is, he, he's been around for a while, you know, as, you know, uh, JP mentions in the interview, you know, he's been at Georgia Southern. He's been at a couple other places. He's He's been coaching for years. I believe he's been coaching over 20-something years. Um, but he's been with Tulane for a while now, and this is his program. And, I mean, I'm just excited to see what happens. And as Steve just mentioned, you know, for us fans, you know, hey, if we want to be in the AAC, Here's our chance to show that we belong with the AAC and hopefully, you know, go into Tulane and uh, get a W and just show that we belong in that league with them and their other uh, our old uh, Conference USA uh, brethren teams. Um, but, Steve, um, you know, this is a very good interview with JP. Was there anything else that I missed before we start rolling the interview? Well, I mean, I think one thing we got to look at, uh, you know, that we really didn't talk about in the interview that um, – that, that I think is an advantage a little bit for, for UAB on, on Saturday is, is just the, uh, the quarterback situation for UAB. You know, I think yeah. that, uh, you know, they've had to, uh, they've had to spend this week preparing for both those, for both Dylan Hopkins and, and Tyler Johnston. And, you know, I don't know, you know, who's going to start, but, you know, I think that they give you a little bit different look each of them. They, they, you know, they don't do a whole lot different, uh, you know, obviously is, you know, with, with, um, you know, with those guys, but, but I think they are a little bit different. So they really had to, you know, concentrate this week on, uh, you know, Tulane has had to concentrate defensively on, you know, preparing for both guys. And, and I think, you know, the advantage they have is, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, coach Clark has kind of called it the hot hand when, when he's going to go with the, with the, uh, with the quarterbacks. And, and so, you know, he has two guys that he believes in 
and the team believes in and uh, two guys that have, have proven it. And uh, so, so, you know, whoever, whoever had the hot hand, whoever had the good week, we talked about it the other day, but um, so I think that's a little bit of advantage for, um, you know, to make, making those, those guys prepare and kind of, you know, there's a little bit unknown there, you know, now once the game kicks off, I mean, you know, obviously you just get in the flow of the game, but you know, I, you know, I've, I've always thought that's, um, you know, that's a little bit of advantage for, for a team that's, um, you know, especially when you have two guys that, that you feel can do it, you know, if you, it's not as much advantage if you have a clear cut guy who's fighting an injury and the, the second guy is not near as good, you know, and you, uh, I mean, that's, that's a little different, but when you have two guys that have, that have you know, right now are pretty even, um, I think that's a, you know, that's advantage, you know, preparation going in at least. Definitely. And also, you know, on the two lane side at the quarterback position, you know, Michael Pratt, which we'll, you know, get into in our interview with JP sensational quarterback, but he's a little banged up too. And I mean, I know yeah. Willie Fritz in his press conference uh, this morning, I did say that both quarterbacks will be available. Yeah, they're, they'll be available, but I mean, how, I mean, he took some, Pratt took some shots in even the Ole Miss game this past week, you know, that he, they finally pulled him in the second half because, you know, he was getting hit so hard. Um, and he was kind of holding that shoulder, you know, on the sideline and, you know, the ESPN cameras kind of zoomed in on and you could tell that he was in pain. Um, so that's going to be something to watch for too, you know, on the right. two lane side. Right. And I think it's, you know, because of that, I think it's, you know, if he, you know, if he play, and I expect him to play, I mean, that kid's tough. Now. Me too. Me too. Um, uh, but, but, you know, if he does or when he does, you know, I think that's a very important that, that, you know, UAB kind of carries over what they did last week on the defensive line and, and keep that pressure up, you know, get after him, you know, show, uh, you know, that's one thing we, we really felt coming in the season that was going to be a strength of that defense. Right. Which has always been a strength of, you know, since the return has been a strength every year, the, you know, the pass rush and it, you know, really the first two weeks, it really wasn't. And, you know, last week I thought they did a better job and they've got to keep that up. They've got to hit him. You know, that's the one thing that, you know, he's, he's been sacked eight times. Um, or I guess they've allowed sack eight sacks. I'm not sure if he's sacked all eight, but they've allowed eight sacks, but he gets hit a lot, you know, yeah. and some of that's on the run and uh, on runs and, but some of it's, uh, you know, a lot of it's on the pass. So, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna need to get after him and 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 hit him, you know. And uh, uh, I think that's gonna be important. Even even without sacks, you're gonna have to get back there and pressure him and and you know put him on the ground, you know, a few times early to sort of um, you know send a message. So that, you know that that'll be something that we you know we'll certainly watch for and and see if that works out. Definitely. Well, all right, guys, UAB at Tulane this Saturday night at 7 p.m. Central Time kickoff on ESPN+. Plus. But make sure that you are listening to uh, Steve and David Crane and company on Jocks 94.5. And uh, make sure that you're subscribed to the Blazer Victory podcast um, on a podcast platform, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Our Radio. Just make sure that you hit the follow or subscribe button to make sure that you don't miss any future episodes of our podcast, the Blazer Victory podcast. And also give us a follow on Twitter at twitter.com slash blazerpod. But on that note, guys, we'll go ahead and play the interview that we had with JP. But we'll be back for a recap episode for the two-lane game probably Monday morning. But as always, guys, go Blazers. Well, welcome back to the Blazer Victory Podcast. Uh, this is John Duncan, joined with Steve Irvine, my co-host. And we have the pleasure to be joined by JP Gooderham of Fear the Wave. Um, who does a great job uh, covering Tulane. Um, you can follow 
uh, their Twitter account at Fear the Wave blog. Uh, JP, just thanks so much, man, for taking some time out to join us on the podcast tonight. Oh, man, I'm excited to be here. First of all, this is a huge game. I'm, I'm really excited for it, and I'm sure we'll talk about the, the implications on, on both sides. But uh, I was at the Ole Miss game on Saturday, and I'm literally just getting my voice back. And if you have a, you know, you have an injury that can't allow you to podcast, that's pretty dang sad. So I'm, I'm glad that I'm back. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm with you guys. Good times. Let's break this thing down. Definitely, man. We're excited to talk some ball with you tonight. Um, so let me ask you this. So you waited out the what, two hour uh, weather delay too for that ball game? Brutal. Absolutely oh. brutal. Oh my God. It was, uh, yeah, it was about two hours and and there was no one really knew what was going on. It was kind of funny because it was because of a lightning delay. I haven't been to a game with a lightning delay in a long time. And, you know, no one was announcing anything. And so Ole Miss just had a DJ playing like top 40 hits. You know what I mean? And they had a light show going and we're like, what is going? And it's killing us. I mean, it was we were getting rained on that whole time. My feet were wet. But at the time. I'm like, man, some magic might happen tonight. You got some crazy weather. You got some chaos. And boy, was I wrong. So, yeah, it was a t- <laughs> it was a tough night. The tailgate was good, but I'm much more looking forward to what's ahead than what was behind us. So that makes sense. Oh, definitely. And, um, you know, Steve and I can kind of <laughs> tell from our you know, tell you from our experience, you know, uh, from the Georgia game a couple weeks ago, we were uh, definitely ready to <laughs> move on into conference play and, you know, put that in the past. So we definitely uh, can relate uh, to, you know, playing an SEC school. But, hey, at least, you know, I believe Tulane still has more SEC championships than Ole Miss, so at least you can, you know, <laughs> hold that over there. Yeah. <laughs> you guys know that's a touchy subject in my side of the world right now, right? <laughs> yes, we do. Oh, oh yes. My goodness. <laughs> this week, man, I, I, I did a I did a meme, and I was like, because here's what's happening, right? And and we can debate whether it was a good idea or a bad idea. For anyone listening, sorry, this is bad, bad radio, but Tulane put a three-time SEC champion sticker, which is true on the back of their helmets for the Ole Miss game. It was not a troll. It was not to do anything crazy. But, you know, Tulane ends up getting blown out in this game. And there's so many reasons that Tulane did not look good on Saturday night. But the one that everyone in the Tulane community loves is, man, we shouldn't have given them that sticker. I'm like, dude, Ole Miss was so focused for that game. I was so impressed with the way they were coached and and, and the way that they were played and how disciplined they were. Uh, but I'm excited that UAB, I don't expect us to be sporting any special Conference USA stickers or anything like that. So I think we should be good. <laughs> well, I think Matt Corral probably had a little more to do with that than, uh, than a yeah. sticker in the helmet. You know, let's let's be so honest good. about it. He is so good. Yeah, you're right. The thing that yeah. killed me was they have a, they're, they're one of those schools that has a cannon, you know, like in their student section, like a, like a live cannon that goes off. And he had seven touchdowns. And we're, we're right by that sucker. Oh, and no. I was like shell shocked by the end of the night, man. You know, you <laughs> oh. get to that six cannon going off and you don't get used to it. Tough, tough night. Tough night in Oxford. <laughs> oh, well, I will say that those helmets were pretty sharp with the old grainy on it. Uh, I loved them. Yeah. yeah. But um, let's, uh, let's go ahead and talk about this uh, 2021 Tulane squad. Um, I mean, where to start? I mean, I, I guess let's start with the quarterback, Michael Pratt. I mean, he has been just on fire lately. You know, I believe he's thrown a passing touchdown in every single game that he's, he's appeared in at Tulane. I'm um, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, JP, but I believe he's thrown in what 13 consecutive games, I believe dating back to his first, you know, start, which might've been that Southern Miss game. I can't remember for sure. That's right. 
Um, but man, talk a little bit about Michael Pratt because this for Blazer fans listening, we're you're definitely gonna have to watch out for uh, Michael Pratt because he he can run the ball on you, which he's shown you know in the Oklahoma game. Um, but he can also uh, beat you through the air. It's cliche, I know, to 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 say you know the quarterback is the centerpiece of this team, but but he is. I mean, Michael Pratt is is you know he is a second year player. He took the keys to the offense, and I think the third game of last season. Tulane had had a transfer from Southern Miss come in. And during our game against Southern Miss, it became clear that a change was needed. The offense was sluggish. We weren't getting it done. Michael Pratt comes in and drops 66 points on Southern Miss, the most anyone has scored against the Mustard Buzzards in history at their stadium. <laughs> My goodness, guys, that was that was such an amazing introduction. And, and he's only gotten better. You know, Michael Pratt, what he brings to the table, he's a kid from South Florida. He is a really, you know, people talk about his toughness and his leadership. And I, I think that's the first thing you really start with, which is that Tulane has some question marks at, at offensive line. And especially when you're playing against some of these, you know, an Ole Miss defensive line or particularly an Oklahoma defensive line, he gets beat up, but he is a competitor and he keeps getting back up. He can do a lot with his arm. Uh, he also can run the ball and it's something he likes to do even in that kind of third and nine situation. Sometimes he can be too ambitious about doing it, which puts him, he's not a big slider, uh, which can put him in harm's way, but he is a really tough kid. And I think he has, to some extent, re-energized the hopes of Tulane fans at kind of getting over this, this next hump in the resurgence of this program of going from where Tulane really was from 1999 until maybe 2015, taking that step into where they've been, which is to win six or seven games a year. And where we want to be, which is to to be at the top of the AAC and to compete with the Cincinnati's and the UCF's and that kind of thing. Well, talk a little bit or, or let us know, I guess, a little bit about, you know, at the risk of of giving a bad garage band a, a name uh, for their band. But uh, let's talk about Michael Pratt's shoulder is uh, what's the issue with that right now? You know, there was some discussion about that, that, you know, he got pretty banged up in that game. Now, from what I've heard, I've heard no indication that he's going to be limited or, or anything like that as we go into this game against UAB. My expectation is that he'll be starting and, and he'll be ready to go. That is a good band name. I yeah. I got to I got <laughs> to put that out there. It, it was yeah. a question though. You know, he you know, and I was at, as I mentioned I was at the game. I I wasn't doing media or anything like that. I was just hanging out, but I, I think that that you know, what this really comes to is you want to and, and here's here's the reality as we look at this UAB team. UAB, from from what I'm seeing, has a fantastic defense this year. You know, the, the, this is not just a top-notch Conference USA defense, but a defense that can really hold their own with with anyone in college football. I think that what we need to see that we haven't seen in games like Ole Miss and games like Oklahoma is a combination of improved pass protection, uh, particularly on the right side of our offensive line, and then also on Michael Pratt's side, some improvement in decision-making that he doesn't always need to make that all-American, you know, crazy play, that it's okay to, to do the check down or, or you know, whatever. And I think some of those choices are key for him to be healthy and sustain him in a game like this that I expect to be pretty physical. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing I noticed watching the, you know, watching the Ole Miss game, and really the main the Oklahoma game is some of the hits he took that that he could have avoided, you know, and uh, you know some of them, you know, like the slide he, where he, where the the guy hit him and they they you know looked into it being targeting. I mean, you can't really you know you can't fault him for that, but there was a couple times where I thought he could have you know just thrown the ball away or or, or done something, and you know, and I love to see that from a quarterback, but 
you know, you, you certainly, and I think you've already touched on it, but you certainly don't want to do that too much. Right. Yeah, that's, that's definitely the feeling. And, and I think that, you know, another piece of that too, that I, I want to see some improvement is just, you know, we have a new offensive coordinator this year who I think after the Oklahoma game, we felt very excited about, you know, I think we felt like the offensive game plan in that game was pretty awesome and, and well executed. And I think the difference of what we saw in that Ole Miss game, there were a number of different things. I think the execution wasn't as strong as it had been. I think that some of the stuff that we've seen work in this kind of next version of the two-lane offense under Chip Long, uh, things like really utilizing the tight ends and bringing them into the passing game and some of those pieces, it felt like they fell by the wayside a bit. And I think the biggest factor for anyone who's watched any two-lane football, I know we've been out of the conference uh, for a little while, but if you, even if you think back to that last UAB game, which I think was 2017 or 2018, two-lane was like, we were throwing the football like 10 times a game last time you yeah. guys saw us, right? Um, that's, that's changed, man. This is a, this is a, I think a, you know, this is going to be a pass first offense while we have Pratt, I, I think is what the expectation should be in a, a lot of these games. So, uh, very, very interesting storyline as we look to kind of rebound from what happened on, on Saturday. Yeah. And JP, that was going to be my next question. Like what can Blazer fans, you know, cause obviously, you know, Will Hall's coaching with Southern Miss now in conference USA. And I was just going to ask very quickly what would be some of the main differences in this 2021 two-lane offense from the 2020 two-lane offense. But from what you're saying, it's just a, a lot more pass-friendly pass this year compared to last year at least? You know, I think that, that you know, the, the first comparison I would make would be you know, the last time UAB saw Tulane, you saw Willie Fritz much closer to, I think, where he had been philosophically in the way that the offensive game plan worked out. And what I mean by that is, you know, Willie Fritz is a Georgia Southern coach and we know we all know how Georgia Southern plays football. Right. right. And right. The, the importance right. of the option and the importance of running the football. That was his goal was he wanted to run it down your throat. And in those years, he did not have, you know, kind of that excellent passer at quarterback. He had guys who could run and could pass somewhat, but it wasn't strength of that team. And then in comes Will Hall, who you just pointed out. He did two seasons with us in Uptown and was, in my opinion, fantastic, very well-deserving of making that jump over to Southern Miss. But, you know, the thing that's interesting is Chip Long, who's coming this year, and if you're familiar with the name, it might be because he was the offensive coordinator for Notre Dame. That was his last major job before he, he came to Tulane. What's interesting was he was roommates with Will Hall when they played together in Division II. These are two guys who I can remember having Will Hall on my podcast and asking him, who is an offense that you admire or the, who you kind of look to? And he pointed to Chip Long's offense at Notre Dame. So there is a lot of I'm trying to think of a good word that isn't that kind of corporate cliche of synergy. But I would say it's like, you know, there's a connection between those two eras. The looks that they're going to give you are, are interesting, right? Because you're going to see a lot of spread stuff that's going to be part of this game. You're going to see a lot of RPOs like we were doing last year. And you're even, especially around the goal line, going to see Tulane go to some like flex bone wing T type looks, which you wouldn't necessarily expect from an offense that's built this way. Those are things that we saw before when we had Coach Hall. Now, I think what Chip Long has done is he's he's kind of like, I call him a little bit of a madman in that what I've seen so far is that he tends to pass on rushing downs and run the football on passing downs and kind of flip what you expect that the team is going to do more frequently than what we've seen with Hall before. It's something I've been looking at as we've looked into the tape. So very interested to see if that continues to be a trend as we go throughout the season. 
Now, do, do they do much uh, of the pre-snap pre-snap type movement? Uh, you know, the time what I saw, I didn't. I, it didn't seem like they did a lot of it. But does is it um, more? You know, post-snap or you know, once um, you know, once the ball snapped, they you know begin, begins sort of the eye candy type thing, or do they or, or have they been moving some pre-snap? No, I'd agree with you. I think a lot of the action is going to happen after the snap. And I think that, that, you know, like a lot of offenses in college football right now, that's the importance of the RPO. Now, I think that the the thing that, that Pratt sometimes does when he makes that read, he likes to keep the football. And I think that's one of the things, <clears throat> as I looked at the the tape from Ole Miss, he had some some opportunities there where he can either be handing the ball off or making another decision. And I think we need to see him making some of those decisions some more. But I, I do think that a lot of what they're going to do is give you a look and expect and try to take a read from the defense and see if they can dress it up a little bit to create some confusion, whether that's the setup, you know, okay, let's go and hit the perimeter hard right now or get somebody out there for a short route for a pass or whatever it might be. Um, and, you know, I think the other thing too, <clears throat> I'd like to see more of kind of an infusion of bringing guys out of the backfield and kind of pulling them into the passing game. It isn't a thing we've seen a whole lot so far, in my opinion, from, from some of these early games. But, uh, yeah, those are all areas that I think we're kind of interested in as we see Chip Long progress here. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Or, or when you mentioned, like, you know, getting the running backs involved a little bit more, little bit more. it doesn't seem, you know, the numbers-wise, you know, you just look at pure numbers, there, there doesn't seem to be, you know, for, through three games, and I know it's three unique games, but uh, doesn't seem to be a lot of production from the, from the, from the running backs. Uh, is that more just um, – just what they've been doing or, you know, kind of what, uh, what, you know, what is the situation to running back? You know, I'd say this is one of the bigger surprises of this season. Okay. And on one hand, I don't want to take too much. I don't want to do the whole sky is falling thing over, over three games of data. They ran the ball amazingly against FCS Morgan state, obviously, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but looking at Oklahoma and Ole Miss, particularly Oklahoma, which has a fantastic defensive line. I think it, that is a factor of just the quality of kind of the rush defenses they faced. But I do think to your point, there is some credibility in what you're saying that this has not been a run game consistent with how good the run game for Tulane has been these last several years. I would argue that coach Willie Fritz really has prided himself on having these kind of deep arsenals of running backs who can do a lot of different things. It is really common for us to have like a bruiser, you know, a guy who's going to get that third and two, get those three yards and, and move on to have kind of a dynamic fast back. And then to have a guy who can do it all, who can be a factor in the, the, the passing game, who can come out of the backfield, who can take the pitch this year. I think there's kind of a, a couple question marks uh, now. Cam Carroll, who, you know, I we we have him as the listed starter. He's made impact in these early games. I think the guy that we're still kind of waiting to see emerge is Tajay Spears. And Spears' backstory is this. He looked incredible in the, his, I think he played maybe five games last season in 2020 before having a knee injury, had a really challenging rehab, has not had that breakout game where he's looked like himself. He is a shifty athletic back when he's playing at his best. And we're just kind of waiting for him to get to that breakout game. And I think that that's a big thing that we want to see out of him as we we go deeper into this year. So if you're JP, if you're UAB and you're coming into Yeoman Stadium trying to you know get the victory over Tulane, are are you kind of in your opinion, if you're UAB, would you just kind of just rush three and basically kind of drop everybody back and say, all right, Tulane, if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us running the football. Is that kind of the 
approach that you think UAB might take this that's, weekend? That's exactly what I would do. I would say, okay, look, you're going to have to run the football and you're going to have to throw underneath and you're going to have to, you know, even if we're rushing three, you're going to need to make sure that you can kind of establish that run game and show us something that you haven't shown so far. I think as a defensive strategy, that's what I would want to do there. What I would want to do much less is put Pratt in a position where he can, you know, because again, I don't think we saw a whole lot of it against Ole Miss. We saw some flashes. He's got guys who he 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 can hit. You know what I mean? We've seen impact from players like uh, Shea Wyatt. He's a wide receiver who transferred from D2 into FBS. This is his first season. He's had fantastic games against both Oklahoma and Ole Miss in his first three games at the D1 level. There are playmakers when we think about these guys who can get involved with the passing game. I would want to force Tulane to run the football, and and that's definitely the approach I'd want to take if I'm if I'm the defensive coordinator at UAB. And, and looking at the receivers, it looks like uh, the tight end leads the team in receptions. Uh, Tyreek James with 11 catches and two touchdowns. Has uh, is he been kind of the main guy these first three <laughs> he, games? He has, and I think it's not what you want. You know, this first of all, Tyreek James has done done a great job of using his opportunities. So I think that speaks to the fact that. James has made impact. Again, we've talked about this idea of some of the strongest moments for this offense so far have been getting that tight end involved or, you know, doing something that, that, you know, I saw Lane Kiffin complaining about it, that he felt like Tulane used a pick play or whatever, but that was his touchdown last week, you know, doing some things to get that guy open. It's been impactful. Now I would say the, the, the negative is that Tulane has a few playmakers who I do not think have yet kind of shown their full potential this year. Uh, particularly that is Jaquan Jackson, who I think I expected to really be kind of the alpha guy when we looked at this 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 group of receivers. Uh, and then also Deuce Watts, who is a, uh, a JUCO transfer who played for us last year out of Mississippi. And those are two players who we expect to be dynamic and we expect to make impact. And I'd really like to see us get that the ball to them more. Uh, you know, against Ole Miss, we passed for like, I think, 180 yards, which was probably one of if not the worst kind of offensive performance as a passer that Michael Pratt has had to date in his career and you know we don't expect that this is going to be an easy game from an offense versus defense standpoint but I think what we need to see here to see progression is kind of getting back to the root of Tulane football establishing the run game getting those guys involved and then using it with the RPOs and, and kind of dressing some of that stuff up setting up those pass plays and getting those strikes in and I think if you can do that that's really the storyline that Tulane wants to see when it looks at this offense against the UAB defense. But d- defensively with, with Tulane, you know, and UAB went through this after the Georgia game is how inspired do you think this defense is to, you know, to kind of come back from what happened last week? Obviously, you know, Ole Miss is, is probably maybe the best offense in the country. So, you know, it's, you know, they're not going to see that again, but, but still, I mean, the inspiration of, of, of being embarrassed, uh, you know, even against a great offense, being embarrassed, Coming back the next week, you know, UAB did that after losing to Georgia and, you know, really played well last week against North Texas. I mean, what what's the kind of the inspiration level you think for this defense this week? I think it's high, and I think there's two reasons. One is Tulane is in this really weird position, and we, we've talked about it, but, you know, it's, it's pretty common. I know Tulane sets their schedules up this way. UAB did the same thing this year with the road trip to Georgia, where pretty much every year we have one game against a top-tier Power 5 program. Right. And I think it's pretty common across the G5 level. Right. What's weird about this year is that Tulane's had two of these games. And in one of them, you know, they faced you see any graphic about who the Heisman contenders are. Two of those guys are Spencer Rattler and Matt Corral. And against Spencer Rattler, they had two interceptions and they held that offense to 40 points. 
right? Even after giving up a, a bunch of uh, kind of turnovers and fumbles and things like that, that put the Oklahoma offense in positions for easy scores, the defense consistently bent but didn't break. And I think that that built, if not confidence, maybe even overconfidence going into that Ole Miss game. And I think you're exactly right that there, you know, because it's one thing to get beat. You know, it is. It is. When you when you look at Matt Corral and, and he completed, I think, you know, every 100% of his passes that were 11 yards or longer, he's a great passer. And when he hits the big kind of home run ball, it is what it is to some extent, throwing to highly, highly athletic receivers like Mingo and other guys in that team. But the thing that I think is, you know, challenging to your confidence were the missed tackles, the mistakes, the times when Tulane could get them into like a fourth and six and Ole Miss just kept converting those fourth and fourth downs over and over and over. It just kills you, right? That's one factor. Here's the second factor that probably a lot of folks listening who live in Birmingham are aware, you know, shout out to the UAB program and, and shout out to Birmingham for, for hosting Tulane. Tulane has not prepared for a game this year in New Orleans on campus. They, they literally left on, I believe, Monday morning and returned to New Orleans and returned to campus for the first time. And I think that's going to give them some new energy. And, and the team's talked about it. They're very appreciative of the treatment that they received in Birmingham. But, you know, for anyone who, who you know, has worked a job where they've been on the road for a while, there's something about being back in, in, in your place, in your own situation and, and doing the things that you do that, you know, I think if you get too far away from that, it grinds you down a bit. And I think that we're hearing that from Tulane players that that they're really excited to just kind of go into a fairly normal atmosphere. I'll say this, you know, I would not expect many people at all to be at the game this weekend. Uh, Tulane students are actually moving back in. Uh, so I believe there's no like on-campus parking available or anything like that. It's going to be pretty wild, but at least we're getting closer to normalcy. And I think we're really happy to be able to host this game when it seemed like this thing was probably going to be at Legion Field. You know, I know that the administration was thinking that just a couple of weeks ago. Definitely. Uh, JP, can you talk just real quick about the defensive line for Tulane? Because, you know, when you think of a Willie Fritz team, um, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and especially the last few years with Tulane, you know, he's had a nasty defensive line. I mean, you know, just looking at the stats and watching some film, it, it really feels that everything kind of revolves around that nose tackle of Jeffrey Johnson. Um, would you say that's a fair statement? Or? Oh, yeah. That's the that's the big easy. And he is a <laughs> bonafide power five type dude. He, you know, I talk about this every time I do a, a preview of just his journey to Tulane. He was, you know, he's a guy out of Mississippi. He was recruited by a lot of those top programs. And there was some weird stuff that went down. I, I might not get the story right. I think it's that there was kind of a misdiagnosis of a knee injury or something like that. And it, it basically led some of these teams to to kind of forget about him. And he ended up coming to Tulane. And he is an impactful player. You know, he is a, a a really physical kind of power five type player is how I would describe him. And I would agree with you that I think that he kind of is, you know, kind of the first linchpin of this this defense. And then I think even backing up further and looking at you know, off the defensive line into the linebacker core, that is really the the, you know, the heartbeat of this defense is that Tulane has had four starting quality linebackers on this team. And, you know, unfortunately, I believe I'm not mistaken, Dorian Williams, who I would argue is the, the best player on this defense this year, I think he's going to be disqualified for the first half, if I'm not mistaken, because of a targeting penalty in that, that old Miss game, which was a huge bummer. But even with him potentially out for part of that game, there are three linebackers who can rotate in who are all really high quality players. So 
you know, we're going to have guys like Marvin Moody, Kevin Henry, who is an Oklahoma State transfer. Those are guys who are going to plug in here and I think make impact as we look at the overall defensive front. I, I just when, when talking to Tulane folks, uh, you know, when you look at UAB, it's kind of a, you know, offensively, especially or offensively, um, you know, they're kind of, they're, they're obviously they're, you know, Bill Clark teams are built off, off running the ball, but you know, the, the games that they've had success is when, when they've been able to hit, you know, some, some, uh, you know, I guess mix in the pass, you know, uh, I think that's what they did against Jacksonville state. And really the, I think they had better success throwing the ball against North Texas than they did, uh, you know, running the ball really consistently, uh, even though they didn't throw it a lot, but they had a lot of success. Kind of, if you're two lanes defense, you, you, you know, you want you try to make them, you know, you try to take away the run first, or you try to take away the pass. Kind of, what do you what do you think they they do in this game? Yeah, that's a good question, and I, I think that that part of what kind of flavors this answer is trying to see what adjustments we make based on what we saw from last week, because I think that when I look schematically at the way the Tulane approached Ole Miss. There were a lot of situations, you know, I, I alluded to this before, but, you know, there were a lot of places where I felt like schematically Tulane did an OK job defensively. And, and you know, we just didn't get the guy or, you know, yeah. Corral was dragging like five dudes into the end zone with them or whatever. It might be. Yeah. It's brutal. Oh, my gosh. He was a good player. Um, yeah. A lot of good players <laughs> in that team. Yeah, I agree with you, though. I think that if you're, you're facing a Bill Clark team like this, you know, the first thing that I would want to do is is really try to make it hard to run the football. Uh, and, and try to put pressure on the offense to 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 throw, you know, because the thing is, Tulane's got some good cornerbacks. Uh, we have some good guys in the secondary. They played really well, as I mentioned, against Oklahoma. They picked off Rattler twice. I would want to do that, you know what I mean, and, and try to set up a situation where Tulane can end up winning the turnover battle, particularly if we can get, you know, you're coming into a road environment. It's not going to be a crazy crowd or anything like that. But, you know, especially if they can go and make some impact there. So that's something we want to see. Now, can it be done? That would take, you know, in my opinion, a better performance than we've seen for these last couple of weeks. And so that's one of the big question marks I think we have for this two-lane defense going into this game. All right, JP. Well, we can't let you go um, unless we talk some realignment. So, you know, as UAB folks, um, you know, we're kind of ready to <laughs> get the hell out of Conference USA um, and kind of, you know, take that <laughs> next step and, you know, get to the American or whatever. Um, from a two-lane um, perspective, what do you foresee the American doing? And, I mean, by, hey, by, by the time this drops, whenever this episode drops, you know, Wednesday morning, maybe we already know. But what, what do you foresee happening? Yeah, you know, we've we've written a lot about it. We we follow this pretty closely. We've done some some records requests to look at things like UCF's application to big the Big 12 you know, it's a topic that I care about. I, I like following kind of the business of sports and especially college sports. Now, I don't purport to be any kind of insider or anything like that, but I'll tell you how I feel from from what I've been reading, what I've been seeing. I think UAB is the only, is quite literally, and I, I mean this not because I'm on a UAB podcast. I'm not here to kiss butt. I think UAB is the only kind of credible team that we can have excitement about. And I think there's a few reasons for that. Uh, and 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 why I think the AEC is is definitely, in my opinion, probably going to target UAB as being one of those teams to come in. And I think there's a few factors that that we can get excited about. One, regionally, which you don't have control over, we don't have control over it. It's just the way that it is. UAB is actually connected, particularly to schools like Tulane, but you can look more broadly at the teams we have in Texas, the teams that we have in Florida. You guys actually play in our region, right? This isn't right. some school that's two time zones away on a mountain somewhere. 
this is a school that is kind of within the geographic footprint of the American Athletic Conference. That's the first good thing. Second good thing is UAB, you know, I know you guys are probably pretty excited. I remember when we did it for us in 2014. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're going to be missing Legion Field, but I, I bet UAB <laughs> fans are pretty excited to, to get to that new uh, shiny stadium. I, I think that's a huge factor, right? One of the biggest things when you follow these realignment discussions, I think people don't talk about. Everyone tries, in my opinion, again, this is just one guy's opinion. I think people way over index you know, way over focus or whatever you want to call it to who's hot right now. Oh, is that Louisiana Lafayette? Is that Coastal Carolina? The problem is those kind of flash in the pan seasons do not typically, from what we've seen historically, drive the bus when it comes to conference realignment. What drives the bus of the conference realignment is who can produce TV ratings and who gives you a good shot to be a good team year in and year out. And I think that UAB making the investment that they've that they've done after the hiatus and building that stadium is a really big deal and a very positive thing. And I'd say third, I, I actually think that you guys coming out so strong after the hiatus is a real kind of feather in the cap of this UAB program, right? You look at a school like Coastal Carolina, they've been around for like five years. Three of those years, they didn't win more than four games. You know what I mean? And it's amazing right. what they're doing now. They got some great mullets on that team and I got to give them a lot of credit <laughs> for that. But that doesn't tell me Okay, what happens when the coach leaves and gets gets you know hired away? We've what seen what happens when the quarterback leaves. Yeah, when 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 McCall's gone or whatever yeah, it might be. Yeah, yeah. I want to know can a program sustain change? That's one of the biggest things that I think the AAC needs to focus on is we cannot add teams who are going to sink to the bottom of the conference. That is going to kill us over time, and that is going to cheapen the brand and the value of the AAC. And I think that it, you know UAB fans can really hang their hat on how well this program has come back and how well they've played independent of what conference they're in. So I, I, like I said, I'm not here to, to tell you guys something just because I'm on a UAB podcast. I think that this is probably the strongest one. And I think they'll try to pick up maybe two Mountain West teams. That's my guess based on what we're seeing. Well, we would be very happy with that. Uh, Steve, uh, do you have any other questions for JP? No, man, I really appreciate you you coming on and, and sharing this. It's been fun, and uh, I feel like I know a, a heck of a lot more now than than when we started. I appreciate yeah. it, guys, and it's it's great doing this. Maybe, you know, it sounds like there's a pretty good chance here that we'll be connecting some more in the years to come, but I, I'll say this. I think this is a, you know, I think that, that UAB did, did a, a fantastic job hitting the reset button after that Georgia game, and I know Tulane wants to do the same here and, and really bring it, but I think these are two – you know, really high quality teams and, and in many ways, a very evenly matched game. Uh, I'm excited for this one. I think it's going to be a tough battle, but I'm looking forward to Saturday. Agreed. And thank you, JP, you know, again, for coming on with us. Um, if, if guys, if you're not following uh, Fear the Wave, definitely give them a follow at twitter.com slash Fear the Wave blog. And also they have an awesome uh, substack, uh, fearthewave.substack.com which I believe on a weekly basis, at least, you know, they do send out um, a newsletter um, about Tulane football. Um, did, I, did I miss anything, JP? You nailed it. No, I really appreciate those call outs and, you know, find us on Twitter. We'll post our kind of UAB preview on, on Thursday, but I really appreciate that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, I mean, you can catch us, uh, Steve and me. We'll be back um, after the Tulane game to give you a quick recap on the UAB Tulane game. Expect that maybe Monday morning-ish. Uh, but until then, we'll see you next time. Go Blazers.